Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. Uh, Today, we observe Good Friday, right? The death of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Why would the day somebody died and somebody as innocent, as powerful as Jesus be called good? Well, today I want to share on the topic of the message of the cross. Because the cross is more than a symbol. We look at a cross and we tend to think, oh, they're Christian. They're religious. They believe in God. But the cross is more than a symbol. It's a message. If you have your bulletin, look at what 1 Corinthians 1.18 says right there in the bulletin. Paul writes and he says, the message of what? The cross. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction, but we, but, but we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. Would you bow your head with me? Let's go into God's word. Heavenly Father, we come before you. Lord, uh, because we need you. And your cross, the work that you did in it, Lord, has power to transform our lives, to free our souls, to give us courage. But most importantly, Lord, it lets us know what kind of God you are. So I pray this morning as we come before you together as a church family that you would speak to us. Lord, speak to us. We want to leave this place better than the way we came in. We want to leave this place having experienced you and known you better than we did when we walked in. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Epitaphs are a very powerful thing. If you don't know what an epitaph is, an epitaph is the inscription on a tombstone. An epitaph lets you in into what the person valued during their life and and the way that person lived their life. For example, Alexander the Great, In his epitaph, it reads, A tomb now suffices for him who the world was not enough. Frank Sinatra wrote on his, The best is yet to come. Martin Luther King Jr., if you were to visit his grave, his epitaph reads, Free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, free at last. Well, the cross is Jesus's epitaph. And it has a resounding, powerful message from God for you and for me. And let me tell you that when we talk about the cross, or let me point to the one on my left, uh, when we talk about the cross, we're not talking about the wooden beam. But we are talking about what was done on the cross. We are talking about the one who did the work on the cross. I heard somebody joke and said that if Jesus would have had a traditional epitaph, 
it would have read, don't worry, I'm only borrowing it for the weekend. But the cross is a message from God. And let me tell you that the cross is an, it's an essential belief to our Christian faith. If you want to become a godlier person, well then the cross is essential to, to becoming more godly. If you want to grow in your love towards God, which is the first and greatest commandment, then your appreciation, your admiration towards the cross needs to grow. Now I got to tell you, that Satan hates the cross because the cross sealed his doom. He hates it because the cross reveals the true character of God. And the cross tells us what kind of God we have and it tells us about the power of our God. So what is the message that God wanted us to understand through the cross? Well, follow along with me. Let me tell you four things that the message, that the cross communicates to us. Number one, the first message of the cross is that I can be free because of it. That I can be free because of the cross. You know, today in our times, liberty and freedom is one of the main rights that is fought for. We want religious freedom. We want freedom from racism. We want freedom to choose. We want freedom from oppression. Well, let me tell you tonight that the greatest freedom is not found in the institute, in the Constitution, and that the greatest freedom cannot be given to you by an institution. That the greatest freedom is available at the cross. That it is the cross that gives us true freedom. See, why is it that the cross gives us our greatest freedom? Because at the cross, Jesus defeated your greatest enemy against your freedom. Pastor, what is my greatest enemy towards my freedom? It's not your mother-in-law. It's not your parents. It's not your spouse. Your great, the greatest enemy towards your true freedom is sin. And just in case you're like, no, may, that, that may be yours, but not mine. Well, let me prove to you how sin captivates people. There's many people today who want to change, but can't. Who want to stop drinking. Who wants to stop being unfaithful. Who wants to stop being so negative. But they can't because they're enslaved to sin. That's why it's easier to do what is wrong than it is to do what is right. But see, the cross communicates the message that we can be free from sin. Look at what 1 Peter 2.24 tells us. It says, He, speaking about Jesus, carried whose sins? Our sins in His body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and alive to what is right. There's two powerful things that Christ did at the cross to give us freedom. And if you know these, and if you believe these, and if you declare these, you can be the most free person even when you live in confined situations. What are those two things that Christ did for us that give us freedom? Well, number one, He delivered us from the penalty of sin. And second, He delivered us from the power of sin. He removed the consequences, he paid the price, but he also set us free from the power of sin. 
Let me explain those a little bit more. When we say that Jesus delivered us from the penalty of sin, it says that we are now dead to sin. Look at what Colossians 2.14 tells us. It says, He canceled the records of the charges against us and took it away. How? By nailing it to the cross. Why is that important, Pastor? Well, it's important because God's holiness demands justice. God's holiness demands that when sin occurs, a price and a penalty is paid. Well, the message of the cross is that Christ paid that penalty for you and for me. And some of you, you need to hear that tonight. Because you are carrying the weight of your sins. You are carrying the regret of your sins. And the message for you tonight is that Christ can set you free because of the work that he did on the cross. See, yeah, give the Lord a round of applause. Check this out. All sin, all sin must be paid for. And you got two options. Either you pay for it or you let Christ pay for it. And let me tell you, nothing will set you free like knowing that your greatest mistakes have been paid for. See, free people are not smart people. Free people are not wealthy people. Free people are not American people. Free people are forgiven people because of the work of Christ on the cross. I read that if you were to visit the Smithsonian Museum of, of American history, that you're going to see where the, where the flag, uh, where the flag, where the American flag flew. And the story says that the original flag measured 42 feet by 30 feet. A huge flag, so immense in size that Francis Key, who wrote the Star Spangled Banner, was able to see it 10 feet out into sea while he was receiving fire from the enemy. And historians have asked, how is it possible that this enormous flag could fly in such a stormy night? Well, rangers were able to find the reason why this flag so big could stand on such a stormy night. It was not because it was on a strong pole, but it was because the pole that, that held the flag was founded on two wooden beams in the shape of a cross. And the cross was able to hold the symbol that as American symbolizes our freedom. And let me tell you that the cross is still the place where we as people can find our true freedom. So the question for us tonight is, are you free? Because if you're not, the message of the cross is come and be set free. But the second message of the cross is that in order to live, I must die. That in order to live, I must die. I told you that there's two powerful things that Christ did. One is set us free from, from the penalty of sin. But second is to set us free from the power of sin. 
And let me tell you that there's a vast difference between living and existing. And we all want to live, but the truth is that not everybody lives. That most people exist. Why is it, Pastor, that while we all want to live, not everybody does? Well, because the message of the cross is that if you want to live, you must first die. What do you mean by that, Pastor? What do you mean I got to die? Do I have to commit suicide? No, 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 that is not what I mean. What needs to die is our sinful nature. What needs to die is our desires, our ideas. Look at what Romans 6, 6 says. It says, we know that our old sinful what? Selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. See, the reason many people don't truly live is because they've never truly died or at least their sin has not died. Their sinful nature has not died. When we put our sinful nature to death, well, then the life of Christ can come in our life. Look at what Romans six eleven says. So you also should what? Consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through who? Christ Jesus. And then Romans 6, 8 says the following. And since we died with Christ, we know that we will also what? Live with him. Now, let me explain this a little bit further, because the idea of dying is not one that we embrace. When the Bible speaks about death, death, biblically speaking, is not the ceasing of existence. But death in the Bible vocabulary, death speaks of a separation. When we die, we do not cease to exist. When we die... Our body is separated from our spirit. So when the Bible says that we are dead to sin and that we are to die to our sinful nature, it means that there has to be a separation between us and who we used to be. And let me, tell, let me illustrate this to you. If you were to take one of those beautiful, powerful Mustang cars, with all that horsepower, with those big wheels, right? And you were to rev up the engine, you could do a lot of quote-unquote damage with that car. But if you were to take four jacks and put them under the car and separate the wheels from the road, you could press on that gas all you wanted. The tires could spin as fast as they could, but you would go nowhere because there is a separation between the tires and the road. And see, as Christians, sin continues to rev up in us. But we need to be able to die. In other words, separate ourselves from that. So that sin may lose its power in us. See, there's something that you have to understand about, about being dead to sin about being uh, free from the power of sin. And that is that, that, that killing our sinful nature has two aspects. One, positional, and one that is in action, 
or an actional. A positional one, in that sense, it means that the work of Christ has declared us free. That the work of Christ has declared us to be free. But now the action must be that we need to put sin to death. In other words, Christ has removed the power of sin from our lives to be able to choose to do what's right. And now the action of us needs to be to choose to do what is right. Look at what Galatians 2.20 says. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The message of the cross is that if you want to live, you must first die. It is said that during the French wars, uh, the, the French army was recruiting people. They would recruit people to fight in the army. And one of the things that the French army allowed his citizens to do is that if you were recruited into the army, you could get somebody to go for you. And one occasion, a man happened to be drafted into the army. And one of his friends said, you know what? You got a family. I don't. You're young. I'm already older. I will go in your place. And that friend went, and he, he, he went in the place of his friend. Well, two years later, the man was drafted again. When he got the letter to be drafted, he said, no, 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 I don't need to go to war anymore. Well, what do you mean? You've been drafted. He says, no, I don't have to go to war anymore because I'm dead. To which they thought he was crazy. They questioned his sanity. But the man continued to insist, I cannot go to war because I'm dead. He finally told them the story that two years earlier he had been drafted and that a friend had taken his place and his friend had died in battle. Well, they, they, they did some research and they found that he was telling the truth. And this instant even reached Napoleon to which he said, well, it seems to me that friends has no authority over a dead man. And because he had died, he could now live. See, when we died, when our old sinful nature dies, we can truly live. The third message of the cross is that love has a price. Love has a price. You got to ask yourself, I don't know if today you've been reflecting on, on, on what we celebrate today, but you got to ask yourself, why would Jesus go through with the cross? Can I make um, a confession to you? You're, you won't judge me for this. I allowed my oldest daughter to watch The Passion of the Christ. And if you've seen that movie, it's brutal. It's graphic, and it's true. And when you see what Jesus went through, you got to ask yourself, why did he do it? Especially when you know he didn't have to. Especially when you know he wasn't forced to. Why would Jesus go through such a painful death? Simple. The answer is simple, yet it's a powerful one. He did it, because he loved you and he loved me. 
You know, it is said that it wasn't the Romans who took Jesus to the cross. That it wasn't the nails that kept Jesus to the cross. That what took Jesus to the cross, that what kept Jesus on the cross was his love for you and for me. And the message of the cross is that it was love and that love has a high price. Jesus paid a high price. Jesus paid the full price. The cross was all or nothing. And Jesus gave it all because he loved you. Because he loved me. Look at what 1 John 3.16 tells us. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. And you know what's the amazing thing about God's love for you and for me? Check this out. It is for the type of people he loved. Jesus did not love us and died for us when we had something to offer or when we had all things lined up. Jesus died for us. Jesus gave his life for us when we had nothing to offer and when we were a mess. Look at what Romans 5, 8 says. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were what? Still sinners. The story says that a mom of three was seeing a psychologist. And in one of their sessions, the psychologist asked the mother, which of your three sons do you love the most? We know that if my mom was asked that question, the answer would be an easy one. And this mother answered to the psychologist and she said, I love all three of them the same. To which the psychologist says, come on, come on, level with me. Let's be honest. It's psychologically impossible for you to love three individuals the same. Which of your three kids do you love the most? To which she replied, I love all of them the same. And the psychologist kept on insisting. She finally broke down and she said, all right, all right, I'll tell you. He said, she says, when one of my kids is sick, that's the one I love the most. When one of my kids is lost, that's the one I love the most. When one of my kids is hurting, that's the one I love the most. I love the most that one, the one that needs it the most at that time. Well, let me tell you that Jesus loved us not when we were at our best, but when we were at our worst. And he loved us and he died for us. And he had you and he had me in mind as he laid on the cross. That's the love that Christ has for us. And let me tell you, it cost Jesus a lot to love you. So here's the question. What has it cost you to love him? What has it cost you to follow him? Because it cost him his life to love you. What has it cost you to love him? Fourth, the message of the cross. You ready for this? Is that suffering can produce glory. The message of the cross is one 
that suffering can produce glory. One of the most wonderful messages of the cross is that God can take an object of shame and death and turn it into an object of glory. Turn it into, uh, produce glory out of it. Now let me tell you, Jesus certainly suffered because of the cross. But look at what Paul tells us in Philippians 2, verses 8 and 9. Look at what it says. Speaking of Jesus, he says, He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Look at the next word. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names. Somebody once said that the king who is willing to die for his people must be the king of an odd kingdom. And you know what? The cross, the cross was painful. But the cross also was the way through which Jesus was glorified and God was glorified. And the king who laid his life down on the cross and was glorified to the highest place calls his followers to also carry their cross and follow him. Look at what Mark 3.8 says. Jesus called the people and his followers to him. He said to them, look at what he says. If anybody wants to be my follower, he must give up himself and his own desires. He must take up his cross and what? Follow me. You know, most Christians or most church going people instinctively think that if they follow Jesus long enough, that he'll eventually do some good things or that good things will eventually happen in their lives. That they'll find comfort, that they'll find success, and that if they do it long enough, they'll even find wealth. Well, let me tell you that that's the logic of the American dream that is not the message of the gospel. That that is what this country promises, but that is not what the gospel offers. Christ tells us through the cross that glory comes through suffering. Look at what Romans 8, 17 says. But if we are to share in his glory, we must also share in what? His suffering. Now, I know that suffering is not one of those topics that is so appealing. And you're saying, well, I'd rather not experience glory if that saves me from suffering. Well, let me give you an illustration. I have three kids. And all three of those kids cost a lot of pain to my wife. I couldn't tell you about it. I could try and describe it, but I could not tell you every, contra every contraction or every pain or every discomfort that she felt in order for us to be able to have our three kids. She went through a lot of suffering. But you want to know something? At the end of that suffering, there was glory. The glory of holding your little boy, holding your little girl, and saying, wow, they're amazing. 
And see, the, the cross gives us the message that suffering produces glory. Our world, our world operates on the logic that weakness and power are opposites. That you can't be powerful if you're weak. Well, the cross turns that upside down. The cross tells us the following. Look at what Christ said in 2 Corinthians 12, 19. Read it with me. It says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect when? In weakness. Now listen, the weakness that Paul talks about, it's not sinful behavior. But the weakness that Paul talks about is, is, the, is the struggles that we go through life. The cross that we have to carry. The, the challenges that we have to face. And let me tell you that God can definitely be glorified through miracles, through the supernatural, through doing extraordinary things. But come on, if you look at the life of Jesus, you learn that it is when you are weak that you learn to depend on his strength. That it is when you are in need that you learn that he is enough. It is through the storms of life that we learn that God is our peace. It is in the darkest of our depression that we learn that God is our hope. And the message of the cross is that, is that the cross does not make suffering easier, but that the cross makes suffering worth enduring. Because there's glory on the other side. See, it is through suffering that we are transformed. It is through suffering that we draw closer to God. It is in our weaknesses that God is glorified. It's so interesting that we grew up in a time where you look at the cross and it's something to be proud of. But in the times of Jesus, the cross was the image of shame. It was at the cross that the worst criminals died. You have to understand that there were three types of criminals in the times of Jesus. Those criminals that could be thrown into jail and jail would be sufficient enough to transform their lives and get them back into society. But the second type of criminal was the one that was not going to be transformed by some jail time. So they were turned into slaves. The majority of these criminals were made to row the boats, were made slaves in different areas of the Roman Empire. But there was a third type of criminal. The type of criminal that could not be re reinstituted into society with some jail time. The type of criminal that was no good to be a slave. So it was these criminals that they made examples of by nailing them to the cross. So the cross was not an image of glory. It was God who turned it into an image of glory and hope for you and for me. And that's the message of the cross. The message of the cross is that freedom, life, love, and glory are available to us. I want to ask the worship team to come up. As they do that, Paul says in Galatians 6.14, he says, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why would Paul say that? Well, let me go back to the first verse that we read in 1 Corinthians 1.18. 
It's in your outline. It's the very first verse. Look at what it says. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But to those who are being saved, know it is the very power of God. Would you bow your head right there where you are? We're going to get ready to participate of communion. I'm going to ask the ushers if they would get ready. And I want to invite you to just connect with God. The cross tells us that freedom is available because of it. That cross, the cross tells us that we can experience life by dying to our sinful nature. The cross tells us the high price that God paid because he loved us. But the cross also tells us that our suffering can produce glory because God is that powerful. What do you need today? What is going to be your response? You know, we're going to get ready to participate of communion. And I want to ask the ushers to come up to the front. We're going to pray for the elements and then we'll distribute them. But right there where you are, I want to give you a few seconds. Would you talk to God? Would you talk to him? Maybe you're not free. Maybe you're not enjoying of the freedom that he paid for. Maybe you still allow your past to shame you. Maybe you still allowed your past choices to limit you. God brought you here today to tell you that you can be set free. Maybe you don't feel alive. Maybe you feel like you're existing. And that's because you haven't put to death your sinful nature. Well, God brought you here today to tell you that at the cross, he set you free from the power of sin so that you could die to sin and live for righteousness. Or maybe you're here tonight and you've forgotten how much God loves you. Or maybe your love for God has been diminishing. Well, God brought you here today to remind you that love was the reason Jesus died and that love has a high price. Or perhaps you're going through suffering. Perhaps you have your uphill battles. Christ brought you here today to tell you that he's not done and that if it isn't good, he isn't done. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart, and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but he didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love, in Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you and now you have a new life in him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Day Spring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.